Welcome to No Instructions. I'm Bob. And I'm Josh. And I'm cleaning up the table here. Are you done? Um, I am. I'm done enough. Uh, mm. We are have been working on the Mandalorian. Uh, what's the name of the brand that these Bandai Bandai model? They're super cool, but I've had enough of him. <laughs> <laughs> Next. <laughs> yes, I'm done. I'll be done here momentarily once I figure out these. There are a lot of different hand permutations that you have. Yes. They have molded hands to hold the rifle, to hold the blaster, to hold the darksaber, to hold the spear, and they're all over the place. And they give you um, – I'm looking now. I think we can make another Mandalorian for all those spare pieces that it gives you. Lots of cod. Lots of cod pieces <laughs> happening here. Comes with extra cods. Where's this guy go? Um, so last time – we are this we're recording two weeks in a row. How about that? Last time. If we do it uh, one more time, it'll be a streak. Whoa! A hat trick, even. That's like a sport. That word. is a sports word. Look at you. I was yeah. very proud of you right there. Thanks. Now, do you know what sport that comes from? Uh yes, I do. Okay. Hockey. Anyway, so uh, Mr. Mandalorian here comes with far too many weapons and far too many hands and extra helmets and extra arm pieces and lots of things. And so I I've, I've made him. I remember feeling the same way when I did the other Bandai models. It's like, first you're like, man, this is so detailed. Wow, it's really cool. And you get to the second arm and you're like, come on. Enough like, already. You don't need that many pieces. So anyway, here's here's Mr. Mandalorian. Old in. Um, he's done. And I'm going to do a little tiny set because I forgot to bring another set. And this is the, this is the Lego 40486. Adidas. Oh, good old 40486. Yeah. The Adidas shoe, but not the big shoe. This is the micro version that was like a free little... When you buy stuff from lego.com, when you get over a certain amount, like I think it's over $100 or... I don't know. They throw in extra little sets that are exclusive. Well, la di know. And this is one of those sets. They're usually things that you don't care about and you wouldn't buy. Which I we guess keep them around right. here for guests. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or when we forget... Uh, and there's very few pieces to this. Well, and if you're going to start shoot. a new one, I think Din is done. <laughs> Din's, Din's done. Din's done. He doesn't it hold the rifle Oh, look at this. Well. It, I didn't pay attention to the minifig that's with this. He is a shoebox. Hmm. He's an Adidas shoebox. And he comes with a little boombox and a microphone. I don't know why. He's happening. But he's real cool. So, uh, what's been going on since last time? Since last time. It's weird because we uh, don't record regularly. I don't remember what last time was. Last time we, I don't know, we kind of caught up on all of the different things that we had seen. We talked about Batman. Oh, yeah. Um, and how we surprisingly liked Batman. Yeah. Um, I got to play D&D again mm. with some uh, amazing people from the Maker Alliance. Awesome. What's the Maker Alliance, Bob? The Maker Alliance is a group of fantastic people uh, who support us here at I Like to Make Stuff. And they... Uh, are a community. So we've got a very strong Discord server, lots of people hang out, and they're doing something really cool. In addition yeah. to D&D, they, they've just started doing D&D nights, I guess once a month. Once a is, month. That's the plan? Yep. I didn't play last time because I had soccer stuff, uh, kid stuff to, to take care of, but I'm definitely going to try to make one of them because I think it would be super cool. Sounds like a lot of fun. And I'm excited to hear more about it. But they're doing something cool in addition to D&D. They have created, separately from us, a group of them have created a summer camp. Like a weekend summer camp experience thing. Yep. And it's for Maker Alliance members only. You can only get the information about it if you're part of the Alliance. Um, but they've done all this stuff without us and have asked permission and asked you know, for support and stuff to whatever degree we want, which is really cool. Um, and they are being very thoughtful about it and... That is also very cool. Oh, look at We can frame the oh, guys with, with the Mando things. Yeah, he'll fall over. Um, and I just think it's really cool that they are taking initiative to build that community even stronger. We're going to be a part of the thing, um, but they are doing it. Yep. It's all them, Yep, which I think is really neat. So if you want to join that crew, if you want to get the perks, like, the, you know, you get discount codes for our stuff, you get free plans, you get, uh, we do a monthly hangout, video hangout. Other stuff, see videos early, all that. But the Discord and the community, I think, is really the thing that is has become very worthwhile for a bunch of people. So if you want to do that, go to 
what is it? I like to make stuff.com slash join. I'm so good at this. And you can join up in a couple of different ways. D&D. Yeah. Tell me about D&D. So one of the Maker Alliance members, whose name is Jared, he is from Canada. He's a very cool person. Mm-hmm. He DMs a, like, dip your toe in or go all in D&D campaign. Hmm. Um, the I don't know when the first one started, but I intended on doing the month prior, but I couldn't because I forgot my computer and couldn't play. But this past time, so this month's campaign, I was here doing video stuff and just like, oh, I remembered. So I was bouncing back and forth between editing or uh, rendering the video to be released the next day and trying to pay full attention to a Dungeons & Dragons campaign. <laughs> But it was very cool. He used um, a platform called Roll20, and Roll20 allows a DM to, like, create a map and add a bunch of characters and things. And then there's another company called D&D Beyond, which allows you to manage and create, like, through a, a – ironically, it looked like through a wizard, like a step-by-step process <laughs> to create your D&D character. Hmm. So then it, it formats it into a traditional-looking D&D character sheet, but it's interactive. And so there is a Chrome plugin between the two, so you can have one window open where it's the map where he is guiding everything, and you can move your little avatar around as if it were like a miniature piece on a, on a traditional map. And then you can use your character sheet to roll like you would with a traditional like D&D die. Hmm. So they worked together, and it was pretty awesome. There was myself, and there were two other uh, people in the campaign. One was, I forgot the name of the D&D race. Somebody at church told me the other day it was this anthropomorphic cat who... <laughs> Like to sing. It was a bard. Meowsles. I don't know. That's from Fortnite. His name was Felix. And then there was another character, and I don't remember what character he was. I think it was a rogue. But I was my character. I was Draxwick. So he, Jared, came up with characters already, and then you just got to be yours? or did No, the other guys had their character already. Okay, gotcha. So a traditional format of a a D&D campaign, because I know you sat in on the one we did with Nicole and Turi from One Geek's Craft. Just barely, yeah. Um, So traditionally... The, the dungeon master is the, the lead storyteller, the architect of the story. And then the characters who are, who are playing with their own unique characters are interacting with the story and helping to build the story as it goes along. You get to make complete independent choices, which this campaign was quite fun in that regard. And so it's an interactive story. And then you get to, like, fight and kill stuff, which is cool, too. This is a weird piece. That is a very unique piece. It has like rounded. It's a rounded square. You can't make Adidas has, without goofy bees. I guess so. Anyway, go ahead. Um, so traditionally, you start out in like a town or on the road. You have to have some agency, some reason to like do a thing. Somebody needs help, and they're willing to pay you. There's a damsel in distress, and you'll get gold. You yeah. know, some some thing to do. Impetus. Yeah, and so usually you're in a a tavern. And there's, like, the crusty barkeep will, like, let you in on the secrets of the town. And, you know, that's where we started out. And So my character, <clears throat> Draxwick, I came up with over the COVID lockdown whenever we were playing with uh, the one time <laughs> that we played with Nicole and Turi. Anthony's character's name is uh, Dwigged. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, Forby's character's name is Tony Shaloub. <laughs> <laughs> I think is amazing. I did not know the guy that. from Monk. <laughs> His name is Tony Shalhoub. I, I talked about Tony Shalhoub on making it yesterday. Did you really? I did. That's small really world. Tony Shalhoub is also on the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and he is fantastic in that show. I still have not started that show. That guy is who I want to be when my kids are older. But anyway, I digress. Um, so Draxwick is a Goliath fighter. So normally the characters are like people height five to six foot. You get to kind of decide this. But a Goliath is like eight foot tall. So he's like a massive person. And I modeled him after Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy with his like warrior but tortured past and John Wick being a warrior with tortured past. Both of them are completely like they're okay with you until you wrong them and then they're going to scorch the earth. I remember you guys coming up with these characters. We were in the car driving to WorkbenchCon. Is that where it was? Oh, yeah. I was driving, and you guys were just, like, developing these stories. Yeah. (laughs) I remember Josh being like, so he's like John Wick and Drax. I'll call him Draxwick. Yeah, his name was Draxwick. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Cool enough, like, (laughs) mythical fantasy name, Draxwick. Yeah, totally. And uh, so Draxwick and this cat and this other guy are, like, on this quest to – there's a kingdom, and they're importing avocados, apparently, and that's a bad thing. <laughs> and so there's an underground crime ring that's doing something avocado. so you have to figure it out. And the whole time, I'm like, 
I think everybody is the bad guy. And I'm like super chill in the whole game. But so it goes through and like you're fighting and you roll. I don't know if people we're getting deep into D and D now. Like you're just on a quest, kind of hanging out, talking. You go to like the the armory to go like buy some stuff. Yeah. And uh, Jared did a great job. He was pretending to be like a teenage shopkeeper. And speaking like a teenage shopkeeper, who's like, <laughs> you need this axe, and it was so cool and just so silly and kind of fun. But it got really good. Mm. At, at, so you have little mini battles against these guys. You go into certain caves, or you go into castles, or you go into dungeons, properly named. But the, so there's this guy who is in like the town guard who is going to be escorting us and helping us try to find the bad guy. So he captures who we think is the bad guy. And I got a little feeling, but I don't think this is right. Something about this doesn't add up. And so we go back to the king to, like, deliver who the bad guy is. And I'm like, that's not the bad guy. And so I try to convince the king that the guy is trying to, like, take his kingdom. And he's staging a coup. And the king is like, hold on, what now? And the guy's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy's trying to get your, uh, your, uh, your throne there. I think you should, think you should kill him. <laughs> And so he escapes, and it turns out, like, that guy is the bad guy. And so we got to go hunt him down. Mm. So we find him. We track him down to this, like, underground thing. And there's, like, the big bad guy who captured the prince. And then there's, like, a woman in the corner who's trying to, like, look after the prince. And so, like, we got to go after the big bad. So I go up and, like, you're all rolling dice. So you have an intention. You have part of the story. But the dice will decide whether you actually get to do the thing or not. So, like, my Goliath character and his mighty battle axe has been, like, cleaving people in two. I go up and, like, try to smash this dude and, like, roll a four. <laughs> Something stupid out of, like, 20. Yeah. And so he, like, smites me pretty good. So then you get healed and all this. And so I go to, like, I'm ready to lay the hurting on this guy. And I stop. I'm like, and I throw a dagger at the woman across the room. Stab her in her face. And the other two guys are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I, I got a feeling. And this is a story. So whatever. There's no stakes. So I'm like, I throw a dagger at the woman. She, I, There's something about this. Random women in D&D are probably going to turn out to kill me. Hell hath no fury. So I'm like, stab her in the face. So I throw this dagger. And uh, the whole story gets kind of crazy. And I end up like, nope, every chance I get, I'm not going to kill the bad guy. I'm going to stab this woman to death. And so she dies. And then we eventually kill the guy. And he's like, okay, well, you, congratulations, the prince is saved. And he goes back to the thing. I'm like, tell me about that woman. He's like, okay, the woman was the the big bad's, like, wife or girlfriend or whatever. And if you would have killed the big bad, she would have turned into this, like, level whatever mage. And just, like, oh. magic smited everybody. And it was going to eventually kill somebody in the room. <laughs> he's like, but you sniffed it out. I'm like, I don't want to trust it. I don't trust anybody. <laughs> And to be clear, this is a game. It's a game where he all threw story. a knife this at a woman's silly. face. My silly mythical yeah. character smited a silly mythical subtle character. <laughs> but it was fun. Like I didn't really know the other two guys that were playing. Yeah. But when I did that, I could hear an audible like, "What? What are you doing? Like what? <laughs> what? Going, going rogue." That's funny. So, Forby uh, told me about this podcast called Adventure Zone, and I think I mentioned it to you. I've, I've listened to a couple. Have you? Yeah. So it's it's got some crass stuff in it, um, and I listened to a few episodes and then kind of lost interest, but it was helpful to just hear the process of a game. Yeah. And just to hear the kind of... And even they even throw in some of their own goofy mechanics and stuff, you know, their checks for things that aren't actually checkable and stuff. But I do that with the kids whenever we play. Yeah. You I throw can see, in a I can see that like, being You're getting really too fun. chatty, you're getting too whatever. I'm like, roll for blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, you're not allowed to speak anymore. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a fun way to just to hear the process of the game. I mean, without having to, you know, invest in sitting down for several hours and playing. Just kind of listen to it in the car here and there. So, so well, what, are you, what is, are you working on here? What are you about sorry, to open I'm up? I'm opening up uh, a castle, ironically. Yeah. But Jared is really good because there's a lot of people that have an interest but have no experience. Yeah. And so the whole time, like, I've played a few times. And so, like, while we're doing this, I'm like, okay, uh, wh what does that mean? And he's like, it means it means this and this. I'm like, oh, okay, I got you now. Yeah. So when you start off, like, we were level one characters. We didn't have any weapons or anything. So in the story, you go get that stuff. So you can start on a completely fresh slate. And it was in the middle of a campaign. But D&D &D is kind of cool because you go on, like – 
segmented quests within a, an overarching story. So even if you pick up in like the third whatever part of the campaign, there may have been some stuff that happened in the past, but it's sometimes it's reflective. But it's all depending on on the dungeon master. Like, right. and he's really accommodating to brand new people. He was helping people. Um, I think the day prior or a couple hours prior in the Discord chat, like develop their characters. Hmm. And the way we were doing it when we were going to Atlanta, like you mentioned, is that Dungeons & Dragons has a series of books. And so you can be a whole bunch of different mythical characters. Each one of them have certain characteristics and traits and qualities. And you can be, you know, a a half bird. But you're like, my half bird is a, a sneaky person. Or my half bird likes to play music. Or my half bird likes to, you know, have magic or whatever. And so it's this like series of textbooks that if you choose these things, you flip back to chapter four and you pick something from there and you write it in this column. And then you roll this thing and you write that in that little thing. And so the D&D Beyond, if you're just interested in creating a character or thinking about doing it, it's kind of fun because you can just be whoever you want to be. It's a story. Mm -hmm. And it guides you through that process so you don't have to go flipping through volumes of text to try to figure out like, can I have a cantrip? Like, what is a cantrip? So – I might yeah. do that because that was – the character creation was the block for me. I started it and then it was just like, now here's a bunch of numbers you have to understand how yeah. to figure out. And I'm like, I, I don't have time for this. Like, yeah, it's yeah, like so. two textbooks that you have to flip through chapters to be yeah. able to reference. And then it's like once you come up with all of these things, then you write these numbers on your character sheet. And then you show up with your character sheet and barely remember how you got to those numbers. You just like trust right. the numbers. Yeah. Um, and there's like different roles – so whenever you, like, start a, a fight, like a battle, like with bad guys, you do this thing called rolling for initiative. Is You pretty much roll for your, your turn order. Mm-hmm. And then you can move, you can have an action, and then there's a something else. <laughs> there's, like, three different <laughs> things to, like, else. your move. I don't remember what it was. Got it. But, like, your character will, will say how far you can – how far you can move in each little segment on the map is like five feet or whatever. And so right. my character can move like you can move 30 feet and some characters are more nimble and can move farther. And so you can move to attack and then you can attack based on what weapons you have. And then if you're a certain level or a certain type of character, you can have a bonus attack. Mm. And so when I was in the story, like I went to the armory thing and talked to the teenage character girl. I got an axe and I got this dagger that when you throw it, it like magically comes back and reappears in your hand, nice. which is pretty cool. Yeah. So I could have a melee weapon up close that had pretty strong damage, and I was a Goliath, so it adds, like, extra bonus points depending on who you are. So if you're, like, a halfling and you have a massive battle axe, you can swing it, but you're not going to have the same kind of strength behind it as you would these other things. And that's all in the character development. And if you use the D&D Beyond, it really helps walk you through that process so you don't have to just blindly – where you're not bogged down in the the text or the reference material. So when you did when you played with the kids, did <laughs> did they develop their own characters? Or no. Did you? Okay. So when I played with the kids, I played with the starter pack, and the starter pack has the quest called the Mines of Fandelver. Right. And with the starter pack comes with pre-populated uh, character sheets. Okay. So it's really easy, and so gotcha. the kids all sat down, and I just kind of shuffled them and passed them out. Gotcha. And so the characters that like my son, your two sons, and some of their other friends, like the characters that they are. Well, it's completely random. Yeah. But they've taken onus of their character and they're quite proud of it. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I, I think that was one of the things with our family is, you know, we've talked about the six of us playing together. Yeah. And it would be a lot of fun because of the age variation and just interest of different things and stuff. But getting set up, again, is just the thing that seems – because I haven't really done it, that seems overwhelming. And yeah. Especially for six people and for kids yep. who are not willing to do it on their own or wouldn't know how to do it on their own. Like I can't guide them through it because I've never done it. Yeah. So. so that's where the pre-populated sheets were really good yeah. is I wanted to take that entire like just preloading of work and just get rid of it. Yeah. And that way I, I didn't have to have like everybody wants to be a wizard or everybody wants to be a whatever and your quest just is pretty one-sided. Something. Yeah. This is who you're going to be. Enjoy it. Yeah. Take it on. Your oldest son is a dwarf. Yeah. Uh, what is your middle son? I don't remember what he was. We've he may got, be a rogue. We've got that um, that starter pack. So, so the same sheets are in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my just shuffle them differently for our campaign, or let them be the same people. Yeah, because I bought miniatures when we were somewhere uh, that are out on the gaming table that we made for all of our kids. Hmm. I got one for your daughter because I heard that she wanted to play too. Yeah. yeah. So I think your middle son is a rogue. My son is a wizard. 
whose name is Dwight Schrute, Anthony, rubbed off on him. So, and it was fun. Like, I had never DM'd. I only watched Nicole do that. And so I'm like, well, it's it's telling a story. Like, yeah. taking all of the stuff away, you're, you're telling and building an interactive story. So... The way that I did it was absolutely not according to the Dungeon Master's Guide, but I, I did my reference and I had pages tabbed because I knew in the story, like, all right, there's goblins are going to attack and then a bogbear is going to attack. These, like, random monsters and all their stats and stuff are in the back of this reference guide. Yeah. So I tabbed them beforehand. Um, I told them, you know, I looked on their sheets. I knew what they had. And with the first couple campaigns, I knew that they are just getting started as well. Yeah. And so when the time started to drag, I'm like, okay, boom, you're going to be attacked. And then we did the roll for initiative, and then they would make decisions. And it has on your sheet, like you have um, an armor class. So depending on what race or character you are, and then what armor you choose to buy and wear, you have an armor class. So those are like your your hearts. Mm-hmm. And then, or no, no, that's not your hearts. Your hearts are your hit points. So you, if I was going to fight you, I would roll, and if that number on the dice is higher than your armor class then my attack hit you. Yeah. If then, not, it didn't hit. Damage. I like, oh, he slipped on the, on the ground or the axe was too heavy. <clears throat> and then you roll for damage to yeah. see how many of those hearts and your hit points to get taken away. So in a campaign, my my hit points got emptied pretty hard. A couple of ours did. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, but in the, the bad guys all have the same thing. So they have an armor class and they have hit points and that's in the reference guide in the back. So if I was going to take my big battle axe and try to hit this small goblin and I rolled a, a four, I'm like, I don't know if that's good or not. Yeah. And then if you make up characters, you can decide all that stuff ahead of time. But most of the games are um, are published in guides. And so you can do like a one-off game where someone can create it from scratch. Or you can do pre-populated games that have all of the, the monsters and the story and all that stuff pretty much built into it. And then you just kind of follow along with the narrative. Yeah. So you're just facilitating this pre-populated story in the most like – captivating yeah. kind of way possible. You do this and you do that. And it's, it adds to it. Like when we played dungeon, like the kids, I guess, version of dungeons mm-hmm. and dragon that you and I talked about, I do that with the kids and they all want to read. They all want to be the bad guy. Oh, yeah. So like if my daughter walks into the room, my oldest son's like, Ooh, I'm going to be the whatever. And so he's like, like <laughs> lurks around the table, like makes a werewolf kind of noise. And so it's, it's fun. And it breaks down like a, the embarrassing wall. Yeah, right. Because I think, like, as a kid, I always thought that it was kind of neat, but it was nerdy. And then watching somebody talk about it or do it, I'm like, oh, well, you just, like, kind of sound like an idiot. But, like, it's fine to sound like an idiot. Yeah. Because it's fun. And if right. everybody is sounding like the same kind of idiot, then you're forming, like, a deeper bond than, like, yeah. playing baseball next to somebody. I think one of the reasons that I want to do it with our kids is because the older two are – they're in middle school. The third one is going into middle school next year, which is crazy to me. But they're they're right at that threshold of, like, I do I need to start caring about if I'm cool or not? Like, mm. they're right there. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that, you know, like, my daughter still, when she's home, she still will talk to me about Star Wars and she gets excited about Marvel stuff and whatever. But then when she's with her friends, when she's in a different setting, I can see that stuff is, like, she's she's, like, pushing it back a little bit. Not she's not changing who she is, but I can tell that she's at that point where she's trying to figure out like, is it okay for me to like this stuff even though these other people around me don't really like it or aren't into it? Or, mm. um, and so one of the reasons I want to play is to take one of those things that she's shown interest in and show her what you just said that it's okay. It's okay to like be really goofy about you know being a some monster or being yeah. some whatever in this context. Like you can you can do a totally different thing right here than you do. At school, you know, like you don't have to be that way there. You can be this way here and you can be interested in that over there. And all of those things can right. coexist within a person. Because um, I, I, I've always been a little bit afraid that the peer pressure thing would end up getting to the kids. Not because of who the kids are. I think they're very strong. I mean, it's going to get to everybody. It's going to get to everybody, right. But I'm afraid <laughs> of that point when yeah. I see it happen. And so I've always tried to like encourage my daughter to – it's okay for you to still like toys. You know, you're yeah. in middle school. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And eventually, you will not probably like them as much. So like them as long as you can. <laughs> that kind of a, yeah. you know. Do you see that there's a thing that her peers are interested in or that she has kind of, like, the thing that's not the Star Wars, the, the stuff that is at the house. Do you see that what the other thing is? Is it creeping in? 
Not not specifically. I mean, there's no thing that she talks about that other people are into that she's trying to figure out. But I've noticed that, you know, over the last year or so, she takes longer to get dressed. She she cares more about what she's wearing. She doesn't really like the pants that she has because they don't look like this. She, for Christmas, asked for a pair of Nikes that were like $150. And I'm like, baby, they're shoes. You got to talk. No. I talk to <laughs> yeah, me. Talk to, yeah. Well, it's not about that. It's like I, just trying to get her to like, it's okay to want clothes because yeah. you like clothes. That's fine. But the balance of like, do you want it because everybody else has it? Or do you want it because you really like the way it looks? Oh, middle school. Because I'm, I'm there. Like I, yeah. this shirt that I'm wearing is expensive for what this shirt is, but I love this brand. I feel yeah. comfortable in them. I like the way they look. And I'm willing to do that whether anybody else in the world likes it or not, you know? Um, and so I don't want to like stifle them. Like you just get the cheap thing. Cause that's what we do. That's Going to, Kmart's not around anymore. Yeah. So kids have a saving grace. So that's not the point, but I, is Amazon I, basics, the new Kmart, I guess it kind of is. I mean, I got this shirt off the internet and it has nothing on it, Yeah, but I like it. I don't know. I probably get made fun of as a, as a kid for that <laughs> where I had to draw it on. Yeah. It doesn't have like a, a Reebok logo yeah. on it or something. Crudely draw it with a Sharpie so no one sees it. But she's not, there's no thing that I can tell that I know of. I mean, uh, you know, their school life is a totally different life. And no matter how much yeah. we ask them about it, there's still a big disconnect between what they hear, see, do at school and what we hear about it at home. So I don't know if there's a, a specific thing, um, but I can just tell that she's more aware of what other people are doing yeah. relative to what she's into and stuff. Because that's one of the strange things about having homeschool kids is that their peer group are a group of hermits. So it's like a, a collection mm. of hermits that get together and they, there's no societal pressure to, to fit into a thing. Yeah, They're all just kind of excited about the same stuff. And... Like the, it's a it's a mixed gender class. So like my son, there's like there's girls and there's girls that he's kind of interested in, and then there's like his friends. So he has the same type of of interaction with people, but I guess the draw to conform in a certain way is not as strong because I don't think any of them have really been around that right that pressure. Like it's not peer pressure. It's just like the shared peer interests. Or if they have an interest, they go, okay, well I like this thing, and then they can talk about different stuff and not feel. Um, any kind of anxiety about not conforming. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that in that setting, the the group dynamic is the minimal and the singular dynamic is the maximal. Like, they spend right. more time by themselves than exactly. they do in a group, whereas my kids, it's the opposite. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I could see there being advantage or disadvantage to both of those things. But I don't know if my kids <clears throat> have the social consciousness enough to be aware that <laughs> there are people that would, like, make fun of you for a thing. I don't think that they care or would register other people's, like, interaction in that kind of way. Well, I mean, and my kids haven't up until – as they get older, that happens more and more. So I think you'll see that in your kids, whether they're around people a lot or not. It's just their awareness of what other people think. It it matures like everything else matures, I guess, you know. As you said that, my oldest son is annoyed at church. Because all of the boys in the middle school boys, like, church group are all talking about, like, basketball, and they're talking about sports. And it's something he just particularly doesn't care about. He likes to read and likes to play music. Um, and so rather than, like – and I imagine myself in that, in that instance, I like to do all kinds of stuff as a kid. So when certain toys became out of – out of style, it was because like a sport took over and like this was the chapter in life. It was like yeah. roller hockey is awesome right now and then roller hockey gets taken over by like taekwondo and then that gets taken over by so-and-so. And so in that environment, he doesn't see the potential value to to wonder if it would be interesting to try it out. There's no like gateway drug type thing for him. He's like, I don't care about that. It's very annoying and I don't want to go because all they're doing is sitting around talking about something I have no interest in. So rather than trying to conform or thinking about conforming, he just like shuts out that group and just doesn't care. Hmm. And I wonder how long that's going to be around. So what was the thing for you? Was there a social draw 
as you moved between those things, was there a social draw that pulled you, like exposed you to them? Was like, did you have a friend that played hockey? That, yeah, like, and it was. And I guess that's where I differ from my experience from what he's talking about right now. I could use that as an opportunity to learn about something else and open up a whole new avenue to where he goes, I don't, I'm not interested in that. I don't care. And goes back and defaults yeah. to what he likes. So like roller hockey, yeah, it was a friend of mine that he played roller hockey in the junior Olympics. I was like, well, that seems really fun. And, like, I played baseball as a kid. And so, like, I, I played sports, but I had never played hockey before growing up in Florida. I'm like, that's dope. I want to do that. Mm. And then we did that for a while. And then another friend of mine uh, did taekwondo. And I'm like, that sounds cool. Let's try that. And I guess for my parents, it could be really potentially really frustrating that I would, like, quit something. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I just, like, it got hard and I want to quit. Like, something else captured my attention and I wanted to put that passion toward that thing now. Mm-hmm. Not that I was just like, eh, I don't yeah. want to go play. Like, oh, I want to go play that. And I want to do that. And I want to do that. And he, this one in particular, my oldest son, he's like, I eh, know, I just like what I like. And he defaults. I mean, which is, you know, whatever. But uh, it's it's interesting that looking at middle school in two different lights, looking at peer pressure being like a, a bad thing that you kind of want to train your kids to be resilient against but at the same time peer pressure could lead them into an avenue that they may not have ever expressed interest in yeah so i don't know it's uh, peer i mean we were talking about this the other day in some context i don't remember but peer pressure in and of itself is not a bad thing it's when it leads you to a bad thing is when it's bad right yeah. but i mean peer pressure to like hey everybody else is really going to care about this test and we're all going to work hard because it's on a curve and like if you know, if we all do it and you screw it up because you're not going to study, that's bad for everybody or, yeah. or whatever. Um, so in and of itself, it's not a bad thing. And I think it could lead any of the kids into something good. But, you know, the reason I was asking about the a friend leading you into something is because maybe may, – I don't know. But maybe with him, those kids talking about those things, there's two separations, the thing itself and the kids. Maybe he doesn't know any of those kids well enough to trust that what they're talking about could have value. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe it's a matter of finding a person that he's already close to that does something different or that could introduce him to something new and vice versa. Like he could maybe introduce them to something that he's interested in as well. One of those kind of things, rather than being drug along in the like, well, everybody else is playing basketball, right. so you should try it too. Cause that doesn't work. Yeah. My oldest is the same way. He will not play soccer anymore, even though everybody else plays soccer and we have lots of soccer and he has every opportunity and he has coaches asking him to be on the teams and <laughs> all this stuff. He just won't do it. He's just not into it because he wants to sit on the couch and read a book. Yeah. That's and, my son wants to sit in his, his cave, his yeah. underground cave reading books. And so there there has to be and we're still trying to figure this out with him there has to be a way uh that we can get something sparked in him to be active like i don't care what the sport is i don't care if it's a personal sport or a team sport or a whatever yeah i want him to be healthy and i want him to be outside right. and i want him to enjoy stuff that he doesn't make himself do that he will enjoy right and so we're trying to figure out what that thing is if it's a person that he can connect with that he can share one of those things with or a group or a time of year or a, hmm. there's got to be something yeah. that he can go like, oh, I love springtime. Springtime means riding my bike more or yeah. whatever, you know, I'm trying to figure that out. But then with like the quitting thing or moving on from stuff, my daughter's that way. She can do, don't, I hope she's not listening to this. She can do everything. She can do it well. She can't do it all because she just physically does not have time. Right. And so we've had to talk to her about if you want to move from this thing to this next thing, she's she's like, well, I don't want to quit. And I'm like, yeah. that doesn't mean you're quitting. That's what you were saying. It's it, you're moving to something. You're not necessarily it's moving you. Yeah, yeah. Like you're moving up and you're you're growing into something else, and that's not the same as quitting because you don't want to do it anymore. And so we've had to try to like console her <laughs> in that way because yeah. she feels bad. She's like, well, I just want to keep doing it all. I'm like, yeah, but the thing that you're trying to move into, you're not going to do as well. You're not going to enjoy it as much. You're going to be tired. You're going to yeah. be whatever if you don't let go of something and replace it with this new thing. And so as she's going into next year, she made pretty big decision to – like she did band this year and she, she's great at it. But she just, she's not going to do it anymore. She band did, is pretty like 
all inclusive. Well, in middle school, it's not too bad. Oh, I thought high school is when it gets with marching band is yeah. when it gets like it's like a full time mm-hmm. job. You know, marching band in middle school? Uh, middle school no, did. you oh. can march with the high school if they ask you to. Mm. But I guess I, with our high school, it was football and band were like the things that people did. Oh, and if you did anything that was outside of football and band, you were like on the fringe. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I marched when with the high school when I was in eighth grade, and it was a lot to yeah. like have to leave one school, go to the other school for practice and stuff, but not really be a part of that school. And I was kind of mm. like, I was younger and whatever. Anyway, so she decided going into this next year that she's not going to do band. She's not going to do chorus anymore, even though she loves to sing and she wants to sing. And But I was trying to talk to her about it, and I'm like, well, you know, these these things are good. They, t- they teach you a lot of stuff, whether you're going to play clarinet for the rest of your life or not, yeah. whatever. But you're learning a lot about music in that setting yeah. and how to play with other people and all these things. There's a lot of discipline in it. Yeah. yeah. And so her reasoning, which I thought was really cool, was I don't want to p- do chorus anymore because I'm not learning anything vocally. I'm just learning songs. Oh, you're I'm not like, perfecting the craft. Yeah, I'm you're like, so, so you want to be a better singer, not sing in a group. She's like, yeah. Okay, cool. We can get you lessons. Yep. That's the... That's a focus on the thing that you actually want to do. That's a really mature point to, to make rather than just like, yeah. I don't like it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, well, what about band? She said, well, I want to write my own music. I want to play music. And I can't sing and play clarinet at the same time. I'm like, all That's right. true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Unless you could. Get her a kazoo. Because <laughs> it's kind of both. It is. Yeah. I should do that. See if, see if the band director will let you play kazoo <laughs> next year. You get her a guitar with a talk box. Ooh. So that was a valid enough reason for us, for me to say like, okay, you're still going to take piano. As long as you're in my house, you're taking piano. Like kids don't get out of that. It's a, it's a life skill that I think does everybody good. And she loves it and she's great at it. She's not going to quit that anyway. But so she's got piano going forward to teach her music. She mm-hmm. wants to get voice lessons. Uh, the, the high school actually has a guitar class. That's cool. Yeah. You can take a guitar class in mm-hmm. high school at, for credit. I don't know anything about no guitar. <laughs> so she's going to take that when, whenever she gets there. But in the meantime, you know, we're just going to try to maybe get her lessons or I'll show her some stuff to get started or whatever. But it's been interesting because she's at a transitional point where she's like having to pick classes for next year. She's already started thinking about, well, if I take this next year, then what's my high school going to look like? And she's like, she's thinking really far into wow. like, well, my senior year, I have to be able to take this thing. So I'm like, Slow down. Yeah. Like, you don't have to figure this out. Find yet. something you think is cool. Yeah. I'm like, just enjoy this year. When you get in high school, then you can start thinking about the end of high school. Yeah. But you're not there yet. Don't overthink this and don't overplan it. She's making great decisions. But the transition is picking those classes for next year. She's also moving away from one sport to move into another sport. Um She's also, like I was saying, like being more aware of like friends and the social stuff within. Yeah. There's a lot going on right there. It's oh, funny yeah. because. Those are formative years, man. Yeah. In a, in a way that I don't remember. I just remember it being uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't remember <laughs> it, all of these It was these awkward. Details. Yeah. In hindsight. It was, just, I'm, I'm it was weird. Sure, I'm pretty sure if you could go back and like dissect all those awkward moments, like they were surrounded by things that Probably. were formative. But I want to go back to something that you talked about. You talked about your, your daughter interested in playing the guitar and that you would show her some stuff. Do you think for you that would be a kickstart to you playing guitar again, you playing with her? I don't think so. Because I say that. Um, my middle son, who is seven or eight <laughs> – my my two youngest kids are like a year apart, and I don't remember which one's which. In in the future, when this episode comes out, they will have no context they were, as to how old they were. He right is now. a certain age. He's between seven <laughs> he's and eight. Um, has been taking guitar lessons, and he's really good. But he's playing a three string tenor guitar, and his his teacher was like, "We're going into this new set of books, and he's ready to step up to a six string guitar." I'm like, "Dope!" I have a full size Martin Dreadnought that like. Eats the boy the when he tries to put it on yeah. his lap. I, I set it on him last night to see if it was even an option. It's absolutely not. I can just picture him like you setting on his lap and then he just like falls his, over backwards. His head. <laughs> I can see his head and like half of his neck and his little hands were trying to go all the way out oh, yeah. to try to play like a, an A minor. He was trying to play an A minor. He was like, I can't see the frets. <laughs> <laughs> but he's really good, you know, relative for his yeah. age. And his teacher's like, he's doing 
fantastic. Like his ability to memorize notes and just remember where they are. She's like, is pretty great. And so he wanted to play guitar with me last night because he needed to practice. I'm like, absolutely. Mm. So we go down to the office and I've got my acoustic guitar. I've got my bass and I've got a bass amp. And um, he has his little three string and he was just going to like practice some of the chords. And his his Lug guitar, it's made by a company called Lug. It's a three string tenor guitar that has a built in amp and has like a little bit of built in distortion. So he likes to rock out and do the distortion. And he's been listening to music with my older son lately. And... I was like, oh, we need to tune it. I was like, well, let me have your guitar, and I'll just plug it into the amp because I have a tuner pedal. And I did that, and, like, I took the tuner off, and he still had the distortion on his his guitar. And so it just, like, rang out distortion through my big bass amp. Mm-hmm. He was like, what? That was awesome. And he's never heard his guitar actually amplified except uh, through the little, like, tweeter speaker that's in, like, the body of his yeah. guitar. He's like, that is great. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, this is what we're doing now. And so he's practicing. He's like, this is an E minor, and this is an A minor, and this is a C. I'm like, okay, cool. And he's like, can we put those together? I'm like, I don't, what do you mean you put them together? He's like, like I could play like all three. I'm like, yeah. You mean a song? He goes, write a song right now. Let's write a song. So he's playing it, and he's strumming, and I'm helping him with some rhythm. And then, you know, in a four-measure song, I'm like, all right, well, what else? <clears throat> There's one more. Pick a chord. And I was like, do you want to do the E minor again? He's like, I like G. Can we do G? I'm like, this kid. <laughs> yeah, you can do G. So he's like, he wrote. Do we have enough G for me to play it? He wrote a song and he's just like playing along with it. And then I pick up my acoustic guitar and I'm playing with him because I have all six strings. So I'm adding yeah. a little bit of bass to the song. He's like, I like the way that sounds. And uh, at one point I was like, oh yeah, you have distortion because I turned it off earlier. I'm like, you have distortion. Let's play this through two times. And on the third time, you just boom, you hit the distortion. He was like, that is awesome. And so he stands, <laughs> I like move the chair and he stands up in my little office with his little guitar plugged into the amp and he's just like playing along and I'm trying to help him str- with a strumming pattern because he's still pretty rigid. I can't hit that distortion and he's like, <laughs> like rung out. <laughs> his little face lit up like it was the coolest thing and I was like, awesome. you felt it in your chest and he was like, yes. I'm like, passion. Yeah. There's my, my kids, at least this one, has a passion for something mm. that he is learning. <clears throat> like he loves math and he does really good at school, but I was like my older son loves to read, but it's a very like in, introverted kind of passion. Yeah. I, you can't express like while someone is reading a book, unless they're just like a very animated person, like what they're feeling. And so like seeing my kid be excited about a thing that he just learned is a wild experience for me. And so he's like, I want to be a rock star. I'm like, okay, let's do it. We're going to watch a whole lot of behind the musics first. But yeah, yeah let's fine. save for rehab now. <laughs> but just it, it showed, it reminded me when I was in middle school and like wanting to be in a band and just like that act of playing music. Because my son, my older son <clears throat> is learning how to play the drums yeah. and he's doing a good job. And I'm like, well, is there a song that you like that you want to play on the drums? He was like, not really. I'm like, whoa, that doesn't compute. Because every time I would hear a song, I'm like, I want to play that. I want to figure out how to do it so I can have what I feel inside, like, just let it out on my own. And he was like, nah. Then we'll listen to a song. I'm like, you hear this drum line. This drum line is pretty, pretty dope. You should listen to it. And he was like, hmm. Hmm. That's pretty good. (laughs) What drove him to want to play drums? Don't know. He was playing the piano. He got super bored with the piano. Um, He was doing, like, the, the kids' books. So, like, your kids have progressed a whole lot faster than the piano teacher that my kids use. I dropped my phone. Um, So, I mean, it's not fair to anybody to compare them to other people. But, like, being at your house all the time, I could hear your kids upstairs playing. And then I hear my kids playing. And they're doing a good job. He's just not playing the level that they're playing. And I'm like, can can we get him out of, like, the kids' books and into something, you know, more challenging? I don't feel like he's being challenged and he gets bored when he's not challenged. And he was. So we're like, well, as part of your curriculum... As a homeschooler, you have to play music. Like, I can give you the freedom to learn or to choose whatever instrument you want, but you're going to learn music, something. And he landed on drums. We're like, hmm, I don't know why. But in my mind, I've always wanted to learn how to play the drums because I love hearing drums and I want to bash on the drums. Yeah. Like, I want to let that passion out. And he plays. He wants to be like technically good at what he's doing. He wants to receive a good job. You did it not to just like let the passion flow. And so my middle son, like watching him write this song and hit some distortion really hard and let it shake. Like I could see 
it was the passion that he had for a thing coming out. Not that he technically played the song correct. Yeah. And like got five stars on Guitar Hero. Like he just, he was able to express himself. And I thought that that was super cool. Yeah. Because something I don't normally get to see. And like he was done and we were going to go play Minecraft together. But I'm like, you got to play that song more. Hmm. I was like, can I, I can play my bass with you. He's like, yes, you can do that. And my older son, he's like, you can play the drums. I'm like, yeah, you can play the drums. He's like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. Like, I think he has a, a fear of performing in front of people. Hmm. I'm like, that would be pretty cool if you could just yeah. do that. But I would have to convince him. It's not You'd have to convince him, convince him that it's practice, not performance. That, Maybe. like, with you all, just, it's, like, it's just us. It's just the family in the basement or whatever, you know. It's not... like, you have to practice on that side of the wall, and we're going to practice on this side <laughs> of the wall, but we're not <laughs> together. We're going to leave the door open. <laughs> you're going to do what you're going to do. We're going to do what we're going to do. And if it just happens to merge together, yeah. it's not my fault. That's awesome. My uh, second oldest son, he's the third kid, has, you're talking about piano, he has taken... He, they've all done well with piano, and they've all grown quickly and well, way faster than I did when I was taking at their age. <clears throat> Same teacher, too, which is wild. That's fun. But um, he has kind of taken off faster than the rest of them. Mm. And I don't know why, but he is really good. <laughs> and so the other day, this has happened a couple of times lately, he'll get a new song and I remember getting new songs from this teacher, and I would, like, go home and practice it for a week. And then I would go back, and she would tell me all the things that I had practiced incorrectly. And then I would have to go back and, you know, it would take me a few weeks to really get... And these are simple songs. This is yeah. not, like, really complex stuff. And I would, it would take me a few weeks to be able to get the song to sound correct at the right timing and all that stuff. He gets a song on whatever day he practiced. He gets lessons on Monday, I think. He comes home Monday night and he sits down with the piano, even though he doesn't have to. He had a lesson. He doesn't have to practice. And he'll sit down and he'll play it and he'll it'll all be wrong and he'll come ask me, can you help me with the rhythm on this part? And I'll explain something to him. And then he'll just keep playing it. And then the next day he has the song. Hmm. He gets it really quickly. And he's always, that first night, that first time he practices it, he's like, I can't do this. Yeah. Like, I don't understand it. I don't even, this is all new to me. And he acts like, I'm never going to be able to get this thing. And then something clicks, and then he gets the song. And so he gets new songs every week because he, wow. I mean, they overlap. Yeah. But he'll get but still, a new song, you know, the yeah. next week. <clears throat> and so yesterday, same thing happened. He had a lesson, or a uh, day before yesterday. He had a lesson, and was practicing something. He asked me if I could help him. I was helping another kid with something else. And I said, yeah, give me a few minutes. I'll come in there. And so he keeps playing. And I go in maybe 10 or 15 minutes later, and I sit down next to him on the bench, and I'm waiting for him to be done and ask me about this problem. And he finishes the song. I'm like, all right, which part were you having problems with? He's like, oh, I got it. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> well, if you need anything, This still let counts me as me helping you, by the way. <laughs> yeah. It was really cool, though, because, uh, you know, he didn't have that I can't do it thing yep. that he always seems to go through. He gets through it. Yeah. But this time he he really buckled down and figured it out. And he he's like the kid that um, he's always asking me physics questions hmm. and, like, chemical engineering questions, which I can't answer. My dad's a chemical engineer, yeah. so he answers them. Cool. But he's always, like – looking into stuff deeper than the rest of them. Um, and, and he moves between things quickly. Yeah. But he always has this kind of deeper look into stuff. So he's the only one that asks me about, you know, what do songs from uh, Rachmaninoff sound like? I'm like, well, let's, let's show you some because you're probably not going to like them. Yeah. You know, what do songs from this person <laughs> like? And so he's asking me about all these different composers. And like the other day, he was like, so... Which And this is all random. This is not like in the context of a musical conversation. He's just like, we'll walk up and be like, who's your favorite composer? And I'm like, well, probably Chopin, I think. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, I kind of liked Beethoven, but then, you know, he's like. Fuck, is pretty contrived. It's all really kind of the same. It. And like Chopin, he's a really, <laughs> he just has like a really interesting, hmm. it's not the passion type thing that you're talking about, about playing music. He doesn't play music like that yet. Yeah. 
I mean, it's classical music. You don't really have that so much. But he has a deeper interest. Like he wants to know another level deeper on all this stuff than the mm-hmm. rest of the kids do. So I'm trying to figure out how to take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, he was talking to you about uh, Rubik's Cubes. Yep. And ever since then, he, he wanted me to tell him how to solve a Rubik's Cube. Like just to tell it to him. As, yeah. as we were sitting down <laughs> yeah. before dinner. I'm like, well, it's going it's to take a minute. He's yeah. like, well, I have a two-by-two. Two. Explain to me on this one. I'm like, well, it's not the same thing. He's like, well, just tell it to me. I'm like, this will make no sense to any human yeah. being. He's like, no, no, just tell it to me. I'm like, So okay. yesterday he did the same thing. He was like, so I want to go buy a Rubik's Cube. And I'm like, dude, I have like four of them. And I've given them to you all. They are floating around in your piles no, of toys really. somewhere. Like, I don't even know where they are anymore. Yeah. Go find one. So he goes to look for a cube, and then I go to find the instructions. So I've got the little booklet that comes with it that has all the moves in it. Yeah. You know. And I'm like, well, once you find one, everything you need to know is right here. So you read this first, and then I'll show you what they actually mean with yeah. the cube in front of you. And he couldn't find the cube <laughs> mm. at all. So he's sitting there at the table reading the instructions without a Rubik's Cube in front of him going, I don't understand what this means. And I'm like, yep. I told you. And that's what I was like, trying to explain to him. I'm like, I, I'll, I'll, I'll hold a, um, an imaginary one in my hand. Yeah. And it just, this, 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 this. And so I see him do his hands yeah. in the same way that I'm doing my hands. I was like, in your head, you have a cube in your hand, which is cool. But you, they need to be colorful. Or yeah. this makes no it sense. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's like wanting to go deeper on stuff like that. He's wanting to understand it. But that's really good. the though. thing in front of him, you know, he just, he's kind of stuck. So I got to find him a cube. I don't know where mine went. Because I had I've several. Got two at the house. And my kids find them and they think it's funny to just mess them all up. And I'm like, it's fine. You're not going to make yeah. me mad. Or they're like, I'm going to really mess this one up. I'm like, I'm not one of those those kids that can like look at it and then like do it in three seconds. Like it's it's a chapter story for me. Right. So if you if you move one side and I mean, I can move that one side back. But you move a couple, I have to start the whole thing right. all over again regardless. <laughs> and so that's my my rote memorization of that entire process is yeah. the the chapter story. Make the thing and then make the thing and then make the thing. But the passion that you're talking about, the passion or just like that passion to want to know more about a thing mm. is really interesting to see the, coming out in all of our kids. And like even my son loving to read, um, when I talked about D&D, he had no idea what it was. And he has a passion for it. Like, he wants to do it all the time. When we made that table, he's like, so we're going to go have D&D night tomorrow, right? Like, that fast. I was like, well, I mean, I got to. And his drum instructor is a dungeon master who wants to come do a one-off for all of us. We should just schedule that so we don't we keep really talking should. about it. <clears throat> um, so it's passion, but it's it's passion directed differently. Yeah. And I think trying to figure out where that passion is for each one of the kids and then fostering that. Even though it's something that I might not have interest in, which I something for me that is challenging. Yeah. It's easy for me to play guitar with my my middle son because I see that he has passion in it and it's something that I enjoy doing. And like when I go play um I play bass in the church, we'll have rehearsals on Thursdays and the boys will come with me and my daughter has dance class and she'll go with my wife. So we have boys and a girls night and we'll go get dinner and so the the boys are in the sanctuary, and I'm, like, getting everything set up. And so my middle son, who's learning the guitar, is like, Dad, can I help you set up? I'm like, yeah, come on up here. And so we're looking at all the instruments, and um, Megan's husband, Mike, uh, leads the band. And so he has a smaller-scale guitar. It's not as big as my Dreadnought. And so I picked that one up, and my son was looking at it. He's like, oh, this was smaller than yours. I was like, yeah. I was like, it's almost your size. And then he yeah. was telling me about a parlor guitar. So I didn't know much about a parlor guitar. So I think that's kind of the route we're going to go. They make parlor basses. Hmm. It's the most adorable little, little bass. Is it like a three-quarter scale? It's smaller than a three-quarter scale. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's super cute. I'm going to get one and put it here. Hmm. So I was looking on Guitar Center. There's a Guitar Center in Louisville. And I'm like, we're going to have a date. We're going to Guitar <laughs> Center. And maybe this will be the first time in my life I will actually buy something from Guitar Center. Oh. Maybe. I bought cables from there before. (laughs) I got some picks, maybe. Yeah. Uh, But, like, I want to introduce him to a guitar store. Because he he doesn't know what a guitar store is. That guitar room is going to melt his brain. Yeah. I want him to walk in and just, like, like, yeah. Yeah. But he was telling me that um, I was talking about a parlor guitar. And I was like, it's something that you you can probably play at your size, but then you can scale up and it's still appropriate to have a guitar that size. It's not like buy a kid's guitar and then in a couple of years you need to get another one and get another one. 
Um, but I was telling him about it. He's like, okay, so we're going to go tomorrow? I'm like, no, we're probably not going to go tomorrow, man. This is. He's like, but I need to have it for next week. And she said I have to have a six stream for next week. Like, well, it might not be next week because this is like a $250 guitar. He's oh, like, yeah. what? <laughs> it's that much? I was like, this is the cheapest possible parlor uh, guitar I could yeah. find that's not on Amazon. Mm. I was like, oh, boy, you have no concept of how much instruments cost. Yeah. It's like, this is... This is going to be bad for you. Speaking of instruments, to just not to take away from talking about your son, but my son that's – I was talking about piano. Did yeah. I say he's going to play flute? No. Yeah. He, we jazz would, flute? <laughs> yeah, jazz flute. Uh, jazz flute. So we actually showed him a bunch of jazz flute videos, and he was like, oh, this is awesome. And I'm like, you're not going to be playing this, just so you know. <laughs> this is but, awesome. And the Anchorman clip was yep. like on the thing, and they were like, hey, that's Will Ferrell. Can we watch that one? I'm like, no, that's not Flutes realistic. can spit fire? <laughs> But, yeah, so we had the – because he's going into middle school. That's when band starts. And so they had the night where you go and you try out all the instruments and, you know, whatever. And he said ahead of time that he wanted to play flute. And I'm like, well, I mean, okay. Is this the pink jacket thing that's running through your head right now? No, no oh, okay. not, not really. Um, it was more of a I, – I think you're going to be interested in it, but you're not really going to want to stick with it because you're going to be – you're going to be surrounded by probably women – or girls in yeah. your class, and I think eventually that's going to make you realize that every all the other boys did something different. Now, this is me ahead of time thinking yeah. this, <clears throat> but I'm like, hey, if you want to play flute, it's an instrument. Awesome, sure, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I've never played it because I've always been scared of it. It seems really, really hard to me. Hmm. Um, so we go to the thing, and he tries out the flute, and he totally had the right position yep. and the guy, you know, the guy's holding the flute and rolling it on their mouth to get it in the right place so that it'll actually voice. Totally did it. And I'm like, well, do you want to try anything else while we're here? Not trying to convince him otherwise, but like maybe there's, yeah, play the field a little there bit. There might something, be something else something that cooler. you like yeah, too. Right. So he tried sax, got a beautiful tone right out of that. That's I'm like, not easy to do. I'm like, well, why don't you play sax? Like that's a, a broader instrument. You could use it for yeah. different, it has a bigger range. It has whatever. He's like, ah, I don't know. It's not that. You play jazz sax too. <laughs> I got him to try trombone, thinking like, this is fun. Like trombone always seems really cool. Dudes in band cool. always really like. Out of everybody who looks like they're having a good time, the trombone guys always look like they were having fun. It's the most active. Like when no one else looked like they were having fun. Yeah, <laughs> they looked like they were playing a song, but trombone dudes looked like they were enjoying themselves. I got him to try that. He wasn't into it. I mean, he didn't like dislike it, but he was just kind of like, eh, I don't know. And he looked back over the flute, and he's like, I really want to play flute. I'm like, all right, let's do it. So so that time in middle school when you meet with, like, the band director as a kid, I wanted to play the saxophone. Like, I had been to the White House all those times, and Bill Clinton was the president, mm. and he was, like, playing a saxophone on TV, and people thought he was dope. He was on Arsenio Hall playing saxophone. <laughs> I'm like, that. I want to be on Arsenio <laughs> Hall playing saxophone. And the president. And I remember I, one time at the White House, I went into – they had a, a room – that was kind of like a, a music room, I guess, but it only had a few instruments and they had the saxophone. And I was like, I want to play a saxophone. It looks cool. He looked cool. Everybody enjoyed him playing it. And I was like, yep, I want to play a saxophone. He's like, all right, let me see your teeth. And I showed him my teeth. And he was like, okay, how about the drums? I was like, <laughs> and I remember as a kid, I'm like, what the? Let what? me see your teeth is like, like, great. Okay. Like my teeth are not that jacked up. Like, hmm, little. But then I was like, okay, well, he's like, what about percussion? Then he had me like playing rhythm on my hands and my feet doing, doing different beats. He's like, oh yeah. He's like, percussion is what's up. You should play that. Hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm going to play the drums. And then we got in there and it's like a sliver of that pie was devoted to drums. Oh yeah. And I was, I guess my expectations weren't set, but yeah, I originally wanted to play the saxophone, hmm. which if I, if I had played the saxophone, I would have been in the same saxophone class as my now wife. Hmm. But Forby played the saxophone, right? Yeah, and so did Anthony. Man. A bunch of saxers around here. Saxons. <laughs> anyway, we've been recording for an hour. It's about that time. Yeah. Um, got anything else? Mm, no, I'll start this castle next week because there's a bunch of bags, and I don't want to have to do that right in the middle of a meaningful conversation. I finished the shoe in about 10 seconds, so... Time. There we go. Um, cool. Well, uh, uh, where can people find you on the internet? You look on Instagram at Josh underscore make stuff. It's right there on the screen. Oh, yeah. And you can find all of us at I like to make stuff on all of this stuff. And uh, I think that's it. We didn't talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi. We got to talk about that because I'm, I'm interested in about Just in the teaser trailer? 
Well, yeah, just expectations for the show. I'm curious what you think it's going to cover. He better fight Darth Maul. He's not. What? He's already dead. Oops. This is going back in time, though. It's after that. What? Yeah. No. No. He's not. No, 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 it's, it's not. not. You're right. You're right. No, but. This needs to be the third it's, iteration it's of bef- us seeing this one fight. It's before Maul dies, but also before Maul figures out where Obi-Wan is. So it couldn't be him. Unless it's on a different planet, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, we'll talk about they that. They have to time. try to make him not look like a creepy stalker in this movie. That's essentially what he's doing. He's a protector. Right. Yeah, we'll talk But there's about a fine we'll line to display that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.